Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. It is Wednesday the 3rd of August, the time is 5 minutes past 10 and I hope you're enjoying your day. It's cloudy in Johannesburg. Well, it was raining when I got here at 6 a.m. I don't know how it is now, it's probably still cloudy last time I checked. So I hope you're warm, I hope you're cool and we will get this, wait, that made no sense, I hope you're warm, I hope you're cool. Not cool in the literal sense, cool as in cool cool people and then i hope you won't <laughs> let's get that out the way welcome to tribal pursuit this is the show where we venture deep into africa to find out more about jewish communities around africa and learn more about them we interact with them we interact with other people and of course i play you beautiful african music so given that it's the nine days and it's a period of mourning we're not playing we're not playing very hyper music today we're playing down tempo cool music chilled music as the kids like to say so i hope you're going to enjoy that as well do get in touch with me, interact with me, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like, and just say hi to your friend Mukundi. You can do so, 34519 is how you SMS me, 0618951019 is how you telegram me, you can email me as well, feel free to do so, onair at highfm.com, and if you want to tweet me, just tweet at highfm. So we are getting this show on the road, we're getting the party started, and to do that, well, we're going to, we're going to Nigeria, by the way. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. For like you give me love, oh. did you enjoy that? I feel like you enjoyed that. If you did, let me know. I enjoyed it. I was dancing. For like you give me love, oh. that was Pana by Techno, straight from Nigeria because we are in Nigeria today. I'm talking about the Igbo Jewish community in Nigeria. They are a small community, very small, and they're still relatively young and still relatively new. I'm talking to the younger members of the community today because the older members are a bit hard to get a hold of. And I feel like, I don't know, as, not to be that guy, but as a young person, I feel like I relate a bit more and have a more comfortable conversation with the younger members of the community and that is exactly what I am doing but if you do enjoy my conversation with them today and you want to hear the older people the older generation's perspective do let me know 34519 is the SMS line 0618951019 is the telegram line if you want to email me feel free to do so on air at highfm.com and you can just tweet me at highfm and then I'll try to get the older members of the community as well and then we can get both perspectives right left and the right old and the young <laughs> at 12 minutes past wait 13 there we go at 13 minutes past 10 forget your jewish for a minute and allow me to tell you what's happening around africa what's happening around the world this is a story that i found a while back and i've been meaning to tell you about it it's not very recent it's from last week but it's something that i feel is very relevant to african communities now the headline is what got me Mozambique authorities arrest father allegedly planning to sell children with albinism. Crazy, right? I know, he's selling his children. What? Let me tell you why. A father who allegedly wanted to sell his three children with albinism for use in, well, in rituals was arrested in Mozambique before being able to close the deal. Police said, thank you, police. Good job. So, 
there's something I wanted to talk about because I see it's something that's sort of I thought it was just with the black people and the communities down here in South Africa, but it seems to be just an African thing. So people with albinism are really looked at as, um, <laughs> ironically, as the black sheep of the community, you know, because. I feel, I feel like it was just misunderstood back in the day. And we've had this as well, being from Venda and, you know, not growing up in Venda, but being from there, going to rural villages quite a bit. I've seen that people with albinism are looked at as weird. They're looked at as atrocities, as abominations. And they are usually sold or they're usually just given away. People abandon their children, which I don't get because they're people. It's just, you know, and I know it's just ignorance as well because... You'd know that there's just a lack of melanin and all of that But it's just sad and it upsets me knowing that this is not only a problem in South Africa But all of Africa I hope the children are okay Well, they are okay because the man was arrested Hope he goes to jail Yeah, I hope he goes to jail and never sees the light of day Because why are you selling your children, right? So that's the bad news I feel like we needed, we need some good news now and of course, whenever I bring good news, who do I bring? I bring the animals because they're my favorite friend. So I told you about the top 10 animals in Africa about two weeks ago, right? Today, I'm telling you about the top 10 endangered animals in Africa. Because we gotta, we gotta protect our animals, we gotta love our animals, and we gotta keep the bad poachers away. All of them, all the bad people. I'm giving you the top five. Some of them I didn't even know, I'm not gonna lie. Some of the people, some of the animals on this list are very weird. Not weird in the sense that they're just weird animals. Weird in the sense that I didn't even know that they existed and I didn't expect them to be on this list. Topping our list is the Ethiopian wolf. Mm. The Ethiopian wolf is Africa's most endangered carnivore and the continent's only wolf species. It is a handsome, rusty red jackal-like dog. And as the name suggests, it is endemic to Ethiopia. It is, it is endangered due to loss of habitat to farmland and to diseases caught from domestic dogs. Well, that's sad. Don't make me hate dogs. I love dogs. Don't make me hate dogs. Because now I'm going to know that dogs are part of the reason why the Ethiopian wolf is endangered. But there are only 500 individuals left. That's sad. Well, with perhaps no more than 500 individuals left. Let's protect our wolves. Well, the only wolf we have in Africa. Second place is the pangolin. I never know how to pronounce that. Pangolin? Pangolin? That animal, the weird armadillo-looking animal, the little one. The poor pangolin has the dubious honor of being the most illegally trafficked species in Africa, as its scales are used in traditional medicine in Asia. Moving on, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that that's what it's used for. I don't like that. The black rhino, ah, uh, I've talked about the rhinos quite a bit. I've talked about the rhinos quite a bit. You know how I feel about rhinos. Don't poach them. I want my kids to see rhinos. Number four is the white rhino. That's not fair. Why do rhinos get two spots? What about the other animals? Black and white? Fair enough. I feel like they should have just said rhinos. Endangered. Because we know this. And the number, number five is the mountain gorilla. I like this because I talked about the mountain gorilla. Was it last week or the week before? And the fact that they being con conserved in... Namibia. That is really cool. That is all the good news about animals. I give you the top five endangered animals. Do what you will with that information. I say protect and I say protect the animals and bring as much light and information to them as you can. And that's the bad news as well. That there was a father in Mozambique trying to kill his children. Why? Because they are albino. And little did he know there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. Well, there's nothing wrong with you, my little albino friends. Your daddy just 
was just a misunderstood man or misinformed. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. <laughs> Do not go anywhere. Stay tuned to High FM 101.9 this week. 101.9 High FM. There we go. That sounds, that rolls off the tongue a lot better. This is Tribal Pursuit. I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. In a short while, I will be speaking to a member of the Ethiopian, uh, not the Ethiopian. Wow, where am I? Nigerian Jewish community and that's Mr. Okoye Shlomo and Mr. Yaakov Madwakob, two members of the Nigerian youth Jewish youth there we go <laughs> we'll be back straight after this this is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao venturing deep into Africa to discover the who how and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish Top of the morning. Class is in session and I have two friends of the show with me today. Mr. Okoye Shlomo and Mr. Yaakov Madwako, two members of the Igbo Jewish community in Nigeria. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? We're doing good. Good morning. Good morning. Perfect. Good morning to you too. So you two are part of the Igbo Jewish community in Nigeria. I know that it's not a very large community. How many members would you say are there right now? All right. Um, like the statistics of the people now, I won't give a, a fixed uh, number, but I'll tell you, like, approximately, we're looking at approximately 3,000 to 5,000, uh, 4,000 persons. Mm. Both women, children, and uh, men. So, approximately, that you can get that figure now. Fast growing community now, I must say the truth. And not just the Igbos alone. I would say our other tribes there. So, we like, like we in, in the Nigerian Jewish youth, we like using the term Nigerian Jewish youth. And so that we include other people in the whole movement. Oh, so that you can have more people and not exclude anyone else? Yes, yes exactly. Mm, I see. And how has your interaction been with the rest of the Nigerian Jewish community? Well, the interaction has been free and smooth, devoid of a tribal sentiment. Uh, I will explain why it's commonly known as the Igbo Jewish community. Because in Nigeria, there are over 200 tribes, but mm -hmm. one of those identifies as descendant from Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, the Igbo are predominantly Catholic due to the missionary, the colonial movement. So they are mostly Catholics. But still then, all the Christians identify with Israel. They say, oh, we come from Israel, even though they are Christians. So that's why the few who has finally moved on to Judaism, they didn't kind of just discover Judaism. It was a gradual movement. You must have heard of the Messianic Judaism and the Seventh-day Adventist. So they will be like, okay, this thing looks very similar to our culture. And uh, I read somewhere that Shabbat is not even on Sunday. It's Saturday. Okay, let me find a church that does their own Shabbat on Saturday. That's how we move. Gradually, they discover, oh, these are the laws and this is Torah. And eventually, we'll end up, oh, correct. We're supposed to be Jews. It's Judaism. I know I've been saying Israel, Israel, but I have no idea they're actually Jews. But a lot of people don't know that the people in Israel are not Christians. Common belief is that, oh, they are Christians. So they get shocked when they go for pilgrimage and then they find out that uh, 
there's Jewish people there. Yeah, that's why there's a common identification, Igbo Jews. Yeah. The truly predominant people who have gone back to Judaism, Orthodox Judaism are mostly Igbos, but there are still other tribes amongst them. Um, and also the intermarry. Sometimes you marry from other tribes and everybody has to come in. Mm. And how about marrying outside of the tribe? How is that? Because I'll give an example that in the community, they're not really fond of people marrying outside of the tribe and that's to prevent assimilation and just keep everybody within the tribe. What are the Nigerian Jewish community's views on that? Well, to be very honest with you, marrying from other tribes is not as much a problem as interfaith marriage. Interfaith marriage has not been very wonderful. It has ended up in a lot of problems. So it's a very major issue here. Marry someone from outside the faith, and then gradually with time, especially when you start having kids, then there's always a problem. We are always used to settling this kind of problem. So we also try to encourage the youth that look, try as much as possible not to do this. You can't really control people's decisions, but we cannot encourage trying to avoid interfaith marriage. Intertribal marriage is not much of an issue if they are in, uh, of the same faith. Mm. Again, there's no fear of assimilation among the Igbos as they are numerically much, much, much super. The fear of assimilation is the least of our problems. Oh, I see. So what you're trying to do is condone and promote the whole Nigerian Jewish community instead of just the Igbo Jewish community. And that's why marrying outside of the tribe is not necessarily a problem. It's marrying outside of the faith. Yes, but rather marrying from outside the faith is much of the problem. Yeah, much of the problem. Mm, much of the problem. And do you have a lot of people that are marrying outside of the Jewish community? Yes, we do have a lot of people marrying outside the faith due to our relatively small number. Some of them end well, some of them don't. But we are dealing with that gradually. So with the growing community, with time, we will have a lot more options to be able to marry within the community instead of going outside of the community. 101.9 High FM, this is Trouble Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Modao, top of the morning. We've been talking about the Nigerian Jewish community all day, and to help me do that, I have two friends of the show, Mr. Yaakov Maduako and Mr. Okoye Shlomov, both from Nigeria. So, gentlemen, in terms of growing the community, do people approach you and say, we like what you guys are doing and we'd like to be a part of it, or do people just say, hey, we feel that we relate to what you guys are and we feel that we are Jewish too and we'd like to be a part of it. Yes, a lot of people do approach us and okay, hey look, we want to become Jewish Judaism. Mm. There are some other people that uh after moving through the Christianity seven days the Midian Judaism I want to go higher and then they finally discover us. But then Within the past few years, like from 2014 to now, the major drive that's moved people to Judaism is more of like the information. A lot of Igbos are ignorant of Judaism or Israel or Jews, even though they identify as Jews, but they have no idea what it really is. So there's this uh, Biafra agitation, the movement by Nandikano, so who openly identified as Jewish. So he has a lot of followers, millions of followers who were equally exposed 
to the region. So it had a lot of people coming in into the different strata. Some moved into the messianic, some came into the rabbinic Judaism, but yes, the growth has been growing gradually. Growing gradually. And I heard you say that some people, a lot of people in the Igbo community are ignorant to the Juda- to the Jewish community. Don't you feel that, and I'm speaking from experience as well, I couldn't find much about you guys on the internet when I was doing my research. Don't you feel that the lack of information available about the community is the reason why some members of the community don't relate and don't even know that they're Jewish? Well... The information is, uh, I must agree with you, is generally poor. There's not much information out there. But also, in addition to putting a lot of information out there, there is also a huge security concerns. So Nigeria is a very, very complicated country. Mm. So recently, there was a very big controversy that rocked Judaism in Nigeria. So some group of donors from Israel, decided to donate, uh, donate a suppress scroll to the Nigerian Jewish Youth Movement. Then, suddenly the followers of the Biafra agitators, they happened upon this news. Most of them were ignorant of what the suppress scroll was, so they claimed, though, this suppress guy is coming to Nigeria, he's 400 years old, he's coming to overthrow the Nigerian government, and then the Nigerian security forces grew interest. As soon as the, the donors came to Nigeria, the secret service arrested them and detained them until they were deported. So now, sometimes when we reveal too much information of our activities online, there could be third parties, some people that could hijack it and then draw us unnecessary attention that puts us under the radar. So mm-hmm. now, at the point, they were almost trying to identify the Biafra uh, movement with Judaism. So when they see you with the kippah, they say, oh, look, he's one of the secessionists, they arrest him. So mm. these are some of the issues that we face, and, and they are very serious issues. So we just try to limit how much information of our activities they were putting out online. Mm. But within the community, we have our ways of circulating information so that those who are in and who really wish to grow can learn, learn a lot, a whole lot about Judaism. Mm. And I believe also that those who are outside, who genuinely, truly want to learn, can also do, because how we do, we rarely had any teacher, we rarely had any rabbis coming to teach us a lot of the things that we learned. Mm. So, uh, it's a very, very complicated issue, right? Quite complicated. Yeah. Mm. Funny you should say that, because what I've noticed among all the Jewish communities I've interacted with thus far, if not most of them, politics seems to play a huge role in determining your exposure, much like the Abayudaya, much like the Arusha community in Tanzania. Yes. yes. There's a lot of politics. Within and without, there's a lot of politics in it. The conservative, the orthodox, Mm-hmm. Some when come to Nigeria, they want the Nigerians to follow the conservative movement. Some others they want Nigeria to flow with the Orthodox movement. So yeah, there's been a lot of politics. And after what you say, there's a lot of it's really it's really complex over here. Like you mentioned the Abaidai, all these communities over there, you see, there's a lot of difference because over here you see even the majority of the Christian faith 
they say have issue of this issue of uh, challenge with the government, like terrorism, all that and that. You have you see where I don't know if you heard where they kidnapped so many pledges. Understand me? A place will be kidnapped in one or two places like that. So it's a challenge in the large when it comes to the religious part of it. This the Christians have having this challenge. So we that even minor in this whole thing. Imagine how it will be on us. So we try as much to keep information within our within the fold itself and try not to get ourselves exposed to some of this uh, challenge. And you you see, I I happen to be in that Abayudaya community in Uganda, and I noticed some that this 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 relationship between the Jewish community and other religion there they have this interfaith. Yes, I mean so, and they there is they have this this common understanding within themselves. So the issue of threats is is no more there. Yes, I mean the community don't face threats. And because they, they, there is this clear definition of who they are. But over here in Nigeria, you see people, the issue of illiteracy is high when it comes to Judaism. So you, people tend to go out with the wrong information and thereby putting us in the very tight corner. So we try as much to, to work within the limit we have now and see how much you can exploit the government and the environment you, which we find ourselves and become Safe and practice Judaism at its best. But I must tell the truth, uh, when it comes to the education and Judaism among ourselves, I would say the youth are really, really doing great on that. But as it stands, the, 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 the bedrock of Judaism in Nigeria is, is our youth. Yes, time is our youth. So far, so good. We've, we've, we've tried as much to organize youth in Nigeria. He, uh, both of us are the, the representative in Abuja here. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've taught almost we've taught around all the states in Nigeria. We've held head programs monthly and yearly. So we understand the the benefit of that, and you see potential youth among us who are good, who are like they are, they, they are really sparkling when it comes to Judaism, and the love is there. But your system that you get limited with uh, with the environment you find yourself. So, but we just must keep on moving. Keep on moving. And I heard you say that both of you are youth representatives. So tell me, is there a difference between, do you see a difference between the youth and the older generation just in terms of attitude alone towards Judaism? And also how are the numbers, are there more youth than older people or is there more of a balance? Well, there's uh there's a huge disparity in the spirits of the youth, men, youth movements and the elders. Mm. Because initially, most of the synagogues were founded by the older people. So there is this lack of cohesion. Like almost a total lack of cohesion. There is no other Jewish body in Nigeria. There's no national Jewish body in Nigeria that can come together to do anything except the youth movement. The youth movement is the only Jewish body that spans across the nation. So the older people, they don't have one because there's no question. They've been through a lot of politics and sometimes you can find the rush of two synagogues at loggerhead and they cannot come together to make any agreement. So, mm. But the youth body has been able to transcend this. We've been able to establish a body, a leadership system, that doesn't arrogate power 
to one single person because power corrupts. The youth movement now is headed by two representatives from each state where there's an, an active Judaism, body of Judaism in the state. So the youth are drawn from every synagogue and who's bi-monthly youth Shabbats. That before we started having a serious security crisis, we normally host youth Shabbats every two months. Mm-hmm. Youth from all over the country. And there's barely one where you don't have at least one person coming from a different state or synagogue. So, and up to now, the question has been there. There has been no leadership crisis, no factions, no quarrels, and it's been going good. And also, it's easier for people to come in and identify with a body that is progressive and that there's peace than for one where you find out, oh, this person doesn't talk to this person, this person doesn't talk to this person. So that's why everyone would tell you that the future of realizing in Nigeria is the youth. If we get you wrong, then it's going to yeah. fall completely to the floor. Okay. Yeah, just like what what my my colleague actually said is 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 in perfectly in order. Like he said, everyone wants to work with the with the with the body that is in the that is moving. So as it stands now, I will boldly tell you that this only the youth movement that has done so many international bodies. Like, the, uh, like, uh, and other Jewish, uh, bodies having interest in Nigeria Judaism. Now we've, we've, we've successfully organized seminars for our youth and where teachers from all over, like teachers from America, US, teachers from Israel, they come around, come to Nigeria to teach us and we also participate in the teaching. So different people from all parts of Jewish state come. Meet will host this seminar and they feel they feel that joy. And from this same seminar, some of us have gotten good uh, grades when it comes to our uh, Hebrew language, when it comes to our uh, Jewish knowledge, when it comes to our ethics. So it has actually helped a lot in our in shaping our lives. So it's something that this is like you say, is the bed, it is, uh, the youth are the bedrock. So if you get it wrong, in fact, I think it will take more more years to get it right. Just to add something, add a lot of influence on Judaism in Nigeria. Let me give you an example. Now, normally in Nigeria, in the southern part, it's common for women to tie their head, put on head covers when going to the church. So, like, it's not mandatory to do that on the street, but when you're going to the church, you have to put that on. It's a custom that came with Christianity, not necessarily the tradition of the people. Mm-hmm. So when we started up synagogues in Nigeria, so normally they also adopted this custom. You come into the synagogue as a lady, whether you're a young girl, you're married or you're a child, you have to cover your head as a woman. So then during one of the youth Shabbats, while we were discussing Torah, so we came across that topic. We said, okay, Normally, there's no man, there's no law that mandates young girls to cover their hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, normally in Israel, covering your hair just signifies that who oh, are married. When you're not married, you can leave your hair open. So there's nothing actually mandated. So even you find children covering their hair. We say that this is not good. We say, okay, all girls, you don't put on your hair, do you can take it off. Now, when, after the Yush Shabbat, when they return to their various synagogues, they say, okay, look, this is what we learned. And this is the teaching. 
And the women, the older women, we say, no, no, you have to cover your head and they say, okay, show us the source. What's the source of the <laughs> So this is the kind of influence the youth movement is having all over the country. <laughs> That's really amazing. I was actually about to say that as far as I know, only married women are allowed to wear head wraps and everything. 101.9 High FM, this is Trouble Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao. I'm talking to two members of the Nigerian Jewish community today, Mr. Shlomo Okoye and Mr. Yaakov Madwako. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with them. If you are, let me know. 34519 is the SMS line. 061 is the Telegram line. You can email me on air at High FM, or you can just tweet at High FM, and I'll get to your message as well. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. I have two friends of the show with me today, Mr. Shlomo Okoye and Mr. Yaakov Madwako, both from the Nigerian Jewish community, and I hope you are enjoying our conversation. So, gentlemen, how has your interaction been with other Jewish communities in terms of boosting morale in your own community? Because I'm sure it feels nice knowing that there's people around the world and around the country that want to know more about you and want to engage with you as much as they can. When it comes to boosting of the morale within the community and those around us, it's it's really, uh, for now, I would say it's people that are closer that want, that want, uh, that they want to have that interest. I'll give instance for like the synagogue, my synagogue, Gehon, yeah, over here. You see people in the environment tends to like say, wow, what is, there's a, there's a, there's a festival called Simka Torah. That festival will bring out the Sefe Torah, will move all down, will move around the streets with it, dance with the Sefe Torah. Um, people will say, wow, what's really happening? People want to ask, uh, what are you guys doing? What is so unique about this whole thing? That they, they are forced to over, come over to, uh, within the Senegal premises and ask members. We explain to them that, okay, this is what this thing is, this and that. They have this wow. There's a woman that she sells things around there. She sells um, goods around close to the synagogue there. She always say, wow. This is something I've been seeing in the Bible. Wow, it's happening in my own time. Like you ask, you say, yeah, this is it. It is not a fixture. This is happening really. So you see, the, there is this uh, moral boosting mm. within the environment we find ourselves, and I must say that it it actually went so so far that since we have uh, members that stay within the, the the synagogue, they they tend to like more have this more friendship with them. Like want to see, okay, how can I get closer to you, all that and that. But you no, know, one thing about Judaism is that we don't evangelize. Yes, I mean, we only relate to those that want, they don't want to know. So when you come closer, you find more, you find more interesting thing to get closer to the whole, whole thing. So when it comes to like the more that we have, when it depends on boosting the environment is, is, is when we create, when we have uh, events like this in Katora and other festivals, the people will tend to say, okay, what, what is so special about this whole thing? They really want to ask questions. Then they get more information. Okay, let me give you another perspective. So generally, most people are very fascinated with Judaism. When they hear, oh, you're Jewish, they'll say, oh, wow, what is it? And they want to learn more. 
So, like, yes, I've been in boarding school where uh, they are predominantly Christian. So now there's uh, Catholics and then there's Protestants. So the normal reaction when uh, a Catholic asks a Protestant, oh, are you Catholic or Protestant? They say, I'm a Protestant. They say, okay, uh, but you know, priests talk better than pastors and then, you know, they start comparing and then one wants to actually win the one over to their feet. But this is completely different with Judaism. Now, once you say you're Jewish and then you start to explain some of your customs, or most times you don't even have to say you're Jewish. They will bring some catfish, pepper soup, when we go on social education and say, oh no, I don't eat this. We are not planted. Then they become curious. They ask questions. And the more you answer, the more curious they are. So it's more with you. I once told the pastor, they ought to tell you the word of God that comes to you. But instead, he was fascinated. He said, oh, wow, I'm also Jewish. I'm Igbo. My people are from Israel. You know, he just wants to identify with me. So in 1994, there was a case to determine whether the Igbo people are Jewish or not. And this is what the Israeli court or the Israeli government had to say. And I'm reading this. There are no historical, halachic, or national grounds to view the members of the Igbo tribe as Jews. Gentlemen, how does that make you feel? Because I was talking to a member of the Limbo community and he said, we don't need validation from anybody. We don't need validation. We respect Israel's opinion. But we don't need validation from anybody to tell us that we're Jewish or not. How does that make you feel, gentlemen? Yes, uh, to react to this, um, the reaction across Nigeria is not necessarily a general one. Hmm. There are most people who are new into the faith or who are sort of faith yeah. will be shocked or dismayed at it. But having been born into it and been in it almost all my life, I understand the, there's a lot of politics connected to all of it. So things like this really don't bother us. Even if they say, okay, suddenly uh, the Igbos are Jews and it's all just politics. We know that there's a lot of politics involved, even in Israel, in America. So these decisions don't really tell on our faith if we continue to identify with Israel or not. I mean... Migrating to Israel isn't really most of our primary interest because, for example, the population of Israel is just 8 million and there are up to 16 million Jews in America. When you start to ask yourself, why are they not in Israel? There are more than 50 million Jews. People are identifiers Jews. There's no way 50 million Jews will move to Israel. So sometimes these questions don't really arise. Yeah, a lot of people have tried and tried so hard uh, to debunk the Igbo connection with Israel. Then, But those who are quite intellectual will always see the flop. I mean, there was a group that once came to Nigeria and then tried to conduct DNA tests to prove that the Igbos are not Jews. Mm. Well... Those of us who know the politics, many people fly with it. Oh, yes, the state DNA failed, the Igbos are not Jews. But those of us who know the police of, you know, knows that the group that conducted that were, um, conservative Jews, or is it messianic? Messianic. Okay, messianic Jews. They wanted to win over 
Jews in Nigeria to their sects. So mm. the first part way to do that is to convince us that we are not uh, pathologically related to the Jews. So it's just one of the steps in their politics. Meanwhile, I know people personally who have traced their gene pool and they have traces of medialist in them. Again, it's easy to disprove that the Igbos are not Jews, but what's much more difficult is to prove that they are from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's agree, okay, with Then where else? There's no answer. This is not to come to talk about the, the issue of the customs and traditions that are so strikingly similar. Mm. We didn't just start talking about it in this uh, 21st century. Yeah. People are talking about it even during the slave era. There's a very popular writer, Olaoda Ekriano, Escravos, who's reading, written about the Igbos in his uh, memoir. So, and if you come and see the customs, they are strikingly similar. The whole example, thing is very complex. When you look at it from one side and you want to make a conclusion from that, making a conclusion should be a collective thing, a comprehensive detail should be given and also seek. Make you see that there is need for God the search and try to know where your facts are coming from. Then you make a conclusion with that. Yeah, so it, it's okay to totally dismiss the 1994 judgment because yeah. it wasn't the handwork of the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Ah, uh, unfortunately, I see that we're running out of time. Gentlemen, is there anything that you'd like to say before I let you go in 30 seconds or less? Any last words? All right. Uh, the last one, for me, I would say, let us keep the fire burning and don't give up on it. Mm. Well, I'm glad we're having this talk. I mean, several years ago, we didn't imagine having a talk with the Jewish community in faraway South Africa. So it's a good thing. We are moving. I believe the more connected we become, the stronger we are, the more things we are able to achieve. Shalom. <laughs> Shalom. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me today. That was Mr. Yaakov Madwako and Shlomo Okoye from the Nigerian Jewish community. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. This is Travel Pursuit on 101.9. Hi, FM. I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao, and we will be back. Straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Okay, 1057, 101.9, Hi FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. You just heard me talk to two members of the Ethiopian, not the Ethiopian, why do I keep saying Ethiopian? That's the second time. Get your words together, Mukundi, get your countries right. Nigeria, Nigeria, Nigeria. Let's try that again. You just heard me talk to two members of the Nigerian Jewish community, Mr. Okoye Shlomo and Mr. Yaakov Madoko, and they gave us quite a bit. I was about, wow. So it's clear that there's a lot of, so from what I gather, it's clear that there's a lot of politics and everything. It's clear that they are still trying to get their footing. They're still trying to grow the community. They're on a steady path and they're doing really good from what I can tell. The interaction with the youth specifically is what they're most proud of because, yeah, the children are future, the youth are future. And I think that's the that's the route they've taken. I, I think they just see that the older generation are too far gone and they, they're just, they're doing ways, they're doing things the way they do them. So let's just mold the youth and try to build a community that we can be proud of probably 10, 20 years from now. 
I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Looking at the message board, my friend Gail says, Good morning, dear friend. Hey, friend. I always enjoy your music choices. Ah, oh, thank you. I enjoy my music too. <laughs> Linda says, Hello, Mukundi. I really like your show. Very informative. Always interesting guests and discussions. The music is a bonus. That's it. The music is a bonus. I'm glad, I'm glad you're enjoying my music. I really am. Ivy says, thank you so much for the very interesting program about the Jews in Africa. Well, like a good friend, Mukundi is always here to help. <laughs> 1059, unfortunately, that does mean we are out of time. But worry not, fear not. Seven short days is how long you'll have to wait, and I will be back on your airways for another episode of Tribal Pursuit. I hope you enjoy your Wednesday. I hope you have fun. I hope you had fun. And if you didn't, well, tune in again next week. I bet I can change your mind. From myself, Mukundi, and Craig, as always, until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.